Guidelines in Practice, Surgical Smoke Safety, by Catherine Williams. Abstract. Surgical smoke is the vaporous and gaseous byproduct of the use of heat-producing devices on tissue. The contents of surgical smoke include harmful chemicals, viable and non-viable material, and viruses. Personnel and patients experience an unpleasant odor when smoke is not evacuated and risk developing symptoms, such as headaches, throat irritation, and dizziness. The recently updated AORN Guideline for Surgical Smoke Safety provides perioperative nurses with background information on surgical smoke and ways to mitigate the hazard. This article provides an overview of the guideline and discusses recommendations for a smoke-free environment, smoke evacuation and filtration, respiratory protection, education, policies and procedures, and quality. It also includes scenarios describing specific concerns in two patient care areas. Perioperative nurses should review the guideline in its entirety and apply the recommendations to protect personnel and patients from the dangers of surgical smoke. When surgeons use heat-producing tools, for example, electrosurgical units, lasers, powered instruments, to destroy tissue, the tools release a vaporous and gaseous byproduct into the air, known as surgical smoke. The recently revised AORN Guideline for Surgical Smoke Safety provides perioperative team members with guidance for establishing a safe environment for patients and personnel. The guideline includes information on a smoke-free environment, smoke evacuation and filtration, respiratory protection, education, policies and procedures, and quality. The AORN Guideline Project Team assessed the available evidence and included regulatory requirements when the governmental regulations supported an initiative and made recommendations when the benefits of an initiative clearly would exceed the harms. In general, recommendations are supported by high to moderate quality evidence. The project team also made conditional recommendations when the benefits of the initiative likely would exceed the harms. Conditional recommendations are supported by any level of evidence under certain conditions. The evidence table for the Surgical Smoke Safety Guideline is available at https colon double slash www.aorn.org slash hyphen slash media slash aorn slash guidelines slash evidence hyphen rating hyphen and hyphen tables slash surgical hyphen smoke hyphen safety hyphen evidence hyphen table hyphen 2021.pdf. This article provides an overview of the contents of surgical smoke and associated risks and discusses recommendations from the revised guideline. Table 1 identifies guideline recommendations for some frequently asked questions that are not discussed in this article. Sidebar 1 describes a study on nurse perceptions related to surgical smoke. Perioperative nurses should review the revised guideline in its entirety for additional information that may affect their practice. Surgical Smoke Contents and Associated Risks Surgical smoke can contain trace toxic gases, carbon monoxide, polyaromatic hydrocarbons, 
viable and non-viable cellular material, and viruses. For example, hepatitis B, human papillomavirus, HPV, HIV. Researchers analyzed air samples collected during laparoscopic cholecystectomy procedures and identified approximately 600 teratogenic, carcinogenic, and mutagenic chemical substances, including dioxins. In another study, an analysis of surgical smoke collected from trocar sites during laparoscopic cholecystectomy procedures revealed approximately 40 substances, including aldehydes, alcohols, ketones, benzene, and alkyl derivatives, for example, toluene, xylenes, and dioxins. The researchers also collected patient urine samples before and after surgery. The levels of benzene, toluene, xylene, and ethylbenzene were higher in the postoperative samples. Researchers have isolated viable cancer cells from mice exposed to surgical smoke. Results of a prospective pilot study in Italy showed that it may be possible for severe acute respiratory syndrome coronavirus 2 to be transmitted via surgical smoke. However, additional research is needed to investigate this phenomenon. The cumulative effects of surgical smoke on perioperative team members have yet to be determined. Therefore, there currently is no known safe exposure level. In 1980, researchers studying smoke condensates during electrosurgery involving canine tongue mucosa found that the amount of surgical smoke created by a carbon dioxide laser applied to one gram of tissue created the same health hazard as smoking three unfiltered cigarettes. In 2012, another group of researchers studied six human and 78 porcine tissue samples to determine the mass of tissue ablated during five continuous minutes of electrosurgery. For the human tissue samples, the mass was 2.4132 grams, SD equals 0.3929 grams, when using cutting, and 1.5817 grams, SD equals 0.3782 grams, when using coagulation. For the porcine tissue samples, the mass was 2.3721 grams, SD equals 0.3537 grams, for cutting, and 1.5406 grams, SD equals 0.2573 grams, for coagulation. Extrapolating this finding to reflect exposure to surgical smoke during a typical day, the researchers calculated that the average daily exposure for perioperative personnel had an equivalent mutagenicity of the passive effects of smoking 27 to 30 unfiltered cigarettes per day. During 2018 testimony on surgical smoke evacuation legislation in Rhode Island, a nurse with 42 years of experience indicated that she believed that occupational exposure to surgical smoke led to her chronic coughing, bronchitis, and asthma. Results of a 2022 systematic literature review showed that surgical smoke may affect both personnel and patients. Exposed individuals can then develop symptoms and disease processes that include 1. Dizziness and drowsiness 2. Coughing, sneezing, and throat irritation. 3. Discomfort from odor. 4. Rhinitis. 5. Eye irritation and lacrimation. 6. 
headache, nausea, and vomiting. 7. Weakness. 8. Asthma and chronic bronchitis. And 9. Histopathological alteration of nasal mucosa. In a two-phase study of 30 patients' perception of surgical smoke, all 30 patients underwent a Mohs procedure without smoke evacuation during the first phase and reported smelling a burning odor during the procedure. Two-thirds of the patients found the smell to be unpleasant. During the second study phase, which included primary closure or a skin flap or graft, surgeons used standard wall suction to capture smoke. Although the wall suction ran during both phases of the study, the patients were unaware of its use. When the surgeons employed the wall suction to remove smoke during incision closure, 12, 40%, of the 30 patients smelled a burning odor. When patients undergo minimally invasive surgery, MIS, procedures requiring a pneumoperitoneum, the chemicals present in the intraperitoneal surgical smoke can increase the patient's risk for experiencing mutagenic, fetotoxic, lachemogenic, and carcinogenic effects. Patients also can develop hemopoietic system abnormalities, such as anemia, leukocytopenia, and myelodysplastic syndrome. Exposure to intraperitoneal surgical smoke during pregnancy may affect the development of the child's central nervous system, leading to dysfunction, attention deficits, and developmental delays. The Occupational Safety and Health Administration, OSHA, recognizes that surgical smoke is a risk to perioperative personnel. In 1996, the National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health, NIOSH, provided guidance on controlling surgical smoke. Subsequently, several professional organizations, for example, AORN, International Federation of Perioperative Nurses, European Operating Room Nurses Association, New South Wales Operating Theatre Association, Association of Surgical Technologists, developed and published recommendations for surgical smoke evacuation. However, OSHA does not provide specific regulations to address protection for healthcare workers who may be exposed to surgical smoke. A smoke-free environment. As of June 2022, Nine states, that is, Rhode Island, Colorado, Illinois, Kentucky, Oregon, Arizona, Washington, Connecticut, and Georgia, have passed surgical smoke evacuation legislation, and there is pending legislation in four states, that is, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, and Pennsylvania. In addition, four states, that is, Iowa, Missouri, Utah, and West Virginia proposed legislation during the 2021-2022 legislative year that did not pass. The first, and perhaps most important, recommendation in the AORN Guideline for Surgical Smoke Safety states that, quote, the healthcare organization should provide a surgical smoke-free work environment, end quote. Although OSHA does not provide specific guidance related to surgical smoke, the General Duty Clause of the Occupational Safety and Health Act of 1970 states that employers are responsible for providing a work environment that is, quote, free from recognized hazards that are causing or are likely to cause death or serious physical harm to his employees, 
end quote. According to the Joint Commission, failure to control surgical smoke exposure could violate this clause. Administrators and perioperative leaders should determine the perioperative team's risk for exposure to surgical smoke based on 1. Employee job descriptions and associated tasks. 2. Types of procedures and tissues. 3. Type and number of surgical energy devices in use. 4. Application time of the devices to tissue. And 5. The availability of smoke management systems and supplies. After determining the risk, administrators and perioperative leaders should use the surgical smoke hierarchy of controls, figure 1, adapted from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, CDC, and NIOSH hierarchy of controls, to develop a plan to reduce patients' and personnel's exposure to surgical smoke. The preferred method of hazard mitigation is to eliminate the hazard. However, most smoke-generating surgical energy devices help control bleeding, so elimination may not be possible. Therefore, when surgical smoke cannot be eliminated, administrators and perioperative leaders should move to the next level down in the hierarchy. Before purchasing a surgical smoke management system to support a smoke-free environment, perioperative leaders should convene an interdisciplinary team comprising one or more perioperative RNs, surgeons, anesthesia professionals, and scrub personnel to select a system that will address procedure-specific criteria, for example, amount of smoke generated. The team should consider a variety of factors, including equipment efficiency, portability, types of filters, for example, ultra-low particulate air, ULPA, activated carbon, vacuum pressure, noise level, alarms, product compatibility, and associated costs. Surgical Smoke Evacuation and Filtration Perioperative personnel should evacuate and filter all surgical smoke, including smoke produced during MIS procedures. When anticipating the generation of surgical smoke, AORN recommends that personnel use a smoke evacuator system that includes an ALPA filter with an activated carbon filter. Ultra-low particulate air filters, quote, demonstrate an overall particulate efficiency of not less than 99.999%, end quote. And the, quote, activated carbon filter acts to absorb odors and gases in surgical smoke, end quote. AORN provides a conditional recommendation for use of a medical surgical vacuum system, for example, wall suction, with placement of an ULPA filter and an activated charcoal filter between the suction canister and wall connection. Personnel and surgeons should avoid releasing unfiltered surgical smoke from trocars during MIS procedures. AORN conditionally recommends the use of trocars, tubing, or accessories with ALPA and activated carbon filters during MIS procedures and filtration of insufflation gas using mechanical exsufflation or a passive filtration method. Personnel should use and replace smoke evacuation equipment and supplies according to the manufacturer's instructions for use, IFU. To maximize surgical smoke capture and promote personnel and patient safety, perioperative personnel should position the capture devices, for example, wand tubing, 
as close to the smoke plume as possible. They also should activate the smoke evacuation system whenever the surgeon generates smoke. Because surgical smoke contains many hazardous materials, AORN provides a regulatory requirement for handling contaminated smoke evacuator components. For example, filters, tubing, wands. Perioperative personnel must use standard precautions and dispose of single-use items as biohazardous waste. Respiratory protection. According to the CDC and NIOSH hierarchy of controls, respiratory PPE is the lowest level of surgical smoke hazard mitigation. Therefore, perioperative personnel and leaders should not consider respiratory PPE to be an effective replacement for smoke evacuation systems and should implement all other levels of smoke mitigation, that is, elimination, substitution, engineering controls, administrative controls, before relying on PPE. However, because the chosen method of evacuation may not remove all smoke, AORN recommends that perioperative team members wear respiratory PPE when needed for secondary protection against residual surgical smoke. Some procedures that generate surgical smoke may increase the risk of disease transmission because they involve tissue containing viruses, such as HPV. For such procedures, AORN recommends that personnel, quote, wear respiratory protection, for example, a surgical N95 filtering facepiece respirator, in conjunction with smoke evacuation and filtration, end quote. When respiratory protection is needed in addition to surgical smoke evacuation, personnel in the OR should notify staff members entering the OR, for example, by placing appropriate signage on OR entrances, that they should don secondary respiratory protection. Education. Perioperative leaders and educators should provide perioperative team members initial and ongoing education for surgical smoke safety. The education activity should address the following. 1. Surgical smoke and its associated health effects. 2. Surgical smoke sources and the effect that particle size has on smoke dispersal. 3. The CDC and NIOSH hierarchy of controls to manage surgical smoke. 4. Selection of an appropriate smoke management system and associated supplies for each procedure. 5. The method of testing and connecting smoke management equipment according to the manufacturer's IFU. 6. Implementation of standard precautions to handle smoke evacuation equipment and to consider single-use supplies as biohazardous waste. 7. The facility's policies and procedures related to smoke evacuation. And 8 the need to participate in a surgical smoke quality improvement program as identified by the employer. Leaders and educators also should routinely verify competency of personnel related to surgical smoke management. Before implementing new smoke management systems, perioperative personnel should complete education and leaders and educators should verify the competency of the personnel. Policies and Procedures Perioperative nurses and leaders should establish policies and procedures for surgical smoke safety in practice areas 
where the use of surgical energy devices creates a smoke plume. The leaders should review the policies and procedures periodically, revise them as needed, and provide easy access to them in practice areas where surgical smoke may be generated. Policies and procedures for surgical smoke safety should include direction for the following. 1. Evacuating all surgical smoke, including smoke generated during MIS procedures. 2. Selecting and using a smoke evacuation system that includes an ALPA and an activated carbon filter. 3. Placing the smoke capture device, for example, wand tubing, close to the surgical site to successfully collect the surgical smoke plume. 4. Activating the smoke evacuator whenever surgical smoke is produced. 5. Handling disposable smoke evacuator equipment or supplies as biohazardous waste. 6. Wearing respiratory protective equipment as a secondary smoke inhalation prevention measure. 7. Providing criteria for using a surgical smoke evacuator device for large amounts of surgical smoke or medical surgical suction with an inline ALPA filter for small amounts of surgical smoke. 8. Providing education and competency verification related to surgical smoke. 9. Improving the effectiveness of smoke evacuation, such as providing criteria for conversion to a larger capacity collection device when needed. Figure 2. 10. Reporting health problems associated with surgical smoke exposure. And 11. Reporting smoke evacuator equipment failures that may affect personnel or patient safety. AORN provides a regulatory requirement for reporting device-related occurrences. When personnel suspect that a device caused death, facility leaders must report the occurrence to the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, FDA, and the device manufacturer. In instances of serious injuries involving devices for which the manufacturer is unknown, facility leaders must report the occurrence to the FDA. In addition, AORN conditionally recommends the reporting of device malfunctions, that is, issues that do not cause serious injury or death, to the FDA. Quality Perioperative personnel should participate in quality assurance and improvement activities related to surgical smoke evacuation. They should identify barriers to implementing processes for surgical smoke safety, for example, using smoke evacuation equipment, to help determine necessary interventions to improve smoke safety practices. Results of a 2010 study on compliance with smoke evacuation guidelines showed that unavailability of equipment and supplies, lack of surgeon support for using the devices, the noise generated, and complacency regarding the use of smoke evacuation devices affected the overall use of the equipment. In 2011, the web-based NIOSH Health and Safety Practices Survey of Healthcare Workers garnered 16,522 individual responses from healthcare workers exposed to hazardous chemicals. After reviewing the data, NIOSH personnel grouped the reasons that participants gave for not wearing an N95 respirator, multiple responses were allowed, when exposed to a variety of hazards, for example, surgical smoke, antineoplastic medications, chemical sterilants, as follows. 1. Not part of our protocol, 
n equals 5,289. 2. Exposure was minimal. n equals 3,483. 3. Not provided by employer. n equals 2,079. 4. Not readily available in work area. n equals 1,840. 5. No one else who does this work uses them. n equals 1,606. 6. An engineering control was being used. n equals 1,398. 7. Too uncomfortable or difficult to use. n equals 629. And 8. Concerned about raising the patient's anxiety. n equals 189. In addition to assessing barriers, perioperative leaders also should assess surgical smoke evacuation compliance to determine if personnel are 1. Evacuating surgical smoke during all smoke-generating procedures. 2. Positioning the smoke evacuation capture device close to the surgical site to maximize smoke collection. And 3. Using and disposing of smoke evacuation equipment according to the manufacturer's IFU and facility policies and procedures for smoke evacuation. AORN recommends that leaders perform direct observation to monitor smoke evacuation practices. When direct observation is not possible, AORN conditionally recommends use of indirect processes, for example, assessment of product use, documentation, to evaluate compliance with smoke evacuation policies. MIS Scenario Gina, an RN circulator, has worked at an ambulatory surgery center, ASC, with four ORs for two years. Upon hire, she received on-the-job training from her RN preceptor, Eli, who provided minimal information on surgical smoke evacuation. As in other perioperative settings, Surgeons at ASCs have their own preferences for patient positioning, equipment placement in the OR, and required PPE. Gina quickly became familiar with their routines. Minimally invasive surgery is common at the ASC, and Gina frequently participates in procedures that require a pneumoperitoneum. During orientation, Gina learned that surgical smoke evacuation during MIS was not required at the ASC. One surgeon, Dr. H., told her that she experiences headaches that become worse with loud noises, such as those produced by the smoke evacuator, and she therefore actively avoids using any type of smoke evacuation during MIS procedures. As a result, none of the perioperative personnel, including Gina, initiate smoke evacuation during Dr. H.'s procedures because she has never used it and there does not appear to be much smoke generated. One day when Gina arrives at work, she notices her assignment includes several MIS procedures with Dr. H. and Hajar, a surgical technologist who participates in many MIS procedures. During lunch, Hajar complains of dizziness, throat irritation, nausea, and a headache. She states that she often feels ill after working with Dr. H. and jokes that she must be allergic to her. Eli enters the staff lounge as Hajar is describing her symptoms, and after listening for a moment, he says it sounds like her issues are related to surgical smoke exposure. 
Eli asks Gina and Hajar if they are using a smoke evacuation system. Gina states that Dr. H avoids using the smoke evacuation equipment, and Hajar confirms that it is not in use for the current MIS procedures. Eli recalls that the ACS director, Ageda, mentioned smoke evacuation in a recent leadership meeting and decides to review the surgical smoke evacuation policy for the ASC. Eli reviews the policy and realizes that it clearly states that any smoke from surgery, including MIS procedures, must be evacuated. The revision date of the policy was within the last six months, but Eli does not recall a general announcement to personnel about the change. Eli talks with personnel and surgeons after reviewing the policy and determines that the lack of smoke evacuation is an ongoing practice at the ASC. Eli takes this issue to the ASC director, Ageda, and suggests that both personnel and surgeons participate in education on surgical smoke evacuation. Ageda agrees and tells Eli that she will share the information on the updated policy with all surgeons. She requests that Eli provide education on the policy to the perioperative personnel. Ageda decides to approach the surgeons individually with the information. Each of the surgeons is given the opportunity to share their views on evacuating surgical smoke. Dr. H acknowledges that she has not used the smoke evacuation equipment during procedures because of the effect that the noise has on her headaches. Ageda mentions that, of the available options, the interdisciplinary team chose the equipment that made the least amount of noise. Dr. H thanks Ageda for the information and agrees to adhere to the policy and use the smoke evacuator moving forward. Eli provides an education session for perioperative personnel on surgical smoke safety that includes background information and a return demonstration of equipment use. After the education session, Eli completes competency verification for all personnel and submits competency documentation to Ageda. To provide a visual reminder of the changes and the expectations related to smoke evacuation for all personnel and surgeons, Ageda posts a policy change notice near the scrub sinks, in the ORs, and in the staff changing areas. Perioperative personnel and surgeons begin using smoke evacuation during all procedures, and Eli completes periodic monitoring to validate compliance with the new policy. Approximately one month later, Hajar works with Dr. H and is pleased when she feels great at the end of the day with none of her previous symptoms. Experienced Perioperative Nurse Scenario Sharon, a perioperative nurse, has worked at a mid-sized facility for 35 years and loves to tell stories of the old days, when staff members sterilized items that are now only available pre-sterilized from a manufacturer. She remembers when surgeons used the first electrosurgical unit, laser, and argon-enhanced coagulator in the facility. As the senior perioperative nurse on the unit, Sharon is highly respected by her peers. Leon, the director of surgery, has decided to make the facility smoke-free and ensure that all perioperative personnel who may be exposed to surgical smoke participate in education activities that include information on the health risks associated with exposure to surgical smoke. To help with this education, 
Leon invites a guest speaker, who is a nurse expert, to present smoke safety information to surgeons, anesthesia professionals, and perioperative personnel. As the speaker discusses the symptoms and diseases associated with surgical smoke exposure, Sharon begins to realize that she has been experiencing several of these symptoms and wonders if her new diagnosis of chronic bronchitis could be related to surgical smoke. After the presentation, Sharon approaches Leon with her concerns. Leon expresses alarm regarding her symptoms. They discuss the benefits of requiring smoke evacuation for all procedures that generate surgical smoke, and Sharon volunteers to act as a staff member champion to implement smoke evacuation technology. During a previously scheduled appointment later that week, Sharon shares the information with her primary care physician and becomes upset when her physician confirms that surgical smoke exposure may be associated with her illness. Sharon works with Leon to implement a surgical smoke management program that includes education and competency, equipment selection and implementation, development of a smoke evacuation policy, and quality assurance. They request, receive, and implement the free resources associated with the AORN GoClear Award program. Through the combined efforts of Leon, Sharon, and all perioperative personnel, surgeons, and anesthesia professionals, the facility receives an AORN Go Clear Award with a silver designation. While reviewing data on unplanned absences and personnel satisfaction one year later, Leon notices that there were fewer unplanned absences than in the previous year, and satisfaction scores have improved. Conclusion Surgical smoke contains a variety of harmful substances. For example, toxic gases, viruses. After exposure to smoke, personnel may experience symptoms such as dizziness, coughing, and headaches. Perioperative leaders and personnel should use the CDC and NIOSH hierarchy of controls to determine the best method for mitigating exposure to surgical smoke. Although elimination is the most effective method, this may not be possible. Additional measures for example, substitution, evacuation, may be required. Respiratory protection is the lowest level of hazard mitigation. Personnel should not use respiratory PPE as the primary method of mitigating exposure to smoke. Rather, personnel should use it in conjunction with smoke evacuation and filtration during procedures that generate surgical smoke containing potentially harmful substances that may increase the risk of disease transmission, for example, HPV. Surgical smoke evacuation systems should include an ALPA filter that provides 99.999% particulate efficiency and an activated charcoal filter to absorb odors and gases. Personnel should adhere to the manufacturer's IFU when using smoke evacuation equipment. They also must handle and dispose of single-use smoke evacuation devices and filters, according to regulatory requirements. Perioperative leaders and educators should provide personnel with information on surgical smoke, including the risks for adverse health conditions, associated symptoms, and preferred methods for preventing exposure to smoke during procedures. The leaders and educators should provide initial and ongoing education on smoke management 
and require personnel to maintain competence for using surgical smoke management equipment. Leaders also should monitor compliance with surgical smoke mitigation initiatives. Implementation of a surgical smoke management plan provides protection for perioperative team members and patients and addresses the risks posed by exposure to surgical smoke.